Wow, that was close. We made it. I'm Drew here with my sister, Ashley, and best friend, Derek. And we just got back from December 7th, 1984, The Fast. Ashley, what were we doing there? Well, each week we travel back in time to the best year ever. 1984. To watch whatever movie just hit theaters. And maybe have a brief run-in with the police. Derek, what did you do this time? <laughs> You're supposed to put bananas in tailpipes, I, I thought. That's what I gathered from the movie. So If that's you want to escape yeah, your, like, your tail, your babysitters. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, did it work? Uh, well, the cops came up first before anybody was able to turn the car on and, and test it out. So the, dana- the banana didn't get to split? <laughs> oh, that, that was much better than my version. <laughs> anyway, um, I think that's enough about that. So let's figure out what we saw this week. Eddie Murphy is a Detroit cop on vacation in Beverly Hills. How you doing? We have six witnesses that say you broke in and started tearing up the place, then jumped out the window. On vacation. I'm on vacation. No. Eddie Murphy, Beverly Hills Cop, rated R. Starts Wednesday, December 5th at a theater near you. As you might have guessed, we watched Beverly Hills Cop, rated R for strong violence. Oh, strong language, violence, sexual references, and some nudity. I don't remember any nudity. The stripper. Oh, duh. Yeah. Who was actually a a real hired stripper for the movie. Huh. I actually didn't, now that I think about it, yeah, I didn't even notice that they showed like nudity in the strip club. Yep. Boobs are out. Makes sense. It's good um, authenticity. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking at the poster for this movie, it's Eddie Murphy holding a gun, styling on top of a red Mercedes. It's not the piece of shit car that he drives. It's the car that, um, what's her name? Sally? Jenny. Jenny. Yeah, that Jenny drives in the mm-hmm. movie. Um, so, yeah, it's a pretty cool poster. It definitely, if you uh, like Eddie Murphy, you're going to go see the movie if you've seen this poster. So, Ashley, why don't you sum the plot up for us in 15 seconds or less? Okay, Derek, you ready? Yep, go ahead. All right. Okay. A uh, Detroit cop's friend gets murdered and he goes to Beverly Hills to seek revenge while facing cultural difficulties. <laughs> Vague. I mean, you're but getting... that's what exactly what happens. Faster right. and faster each week. Yeah. <laughs> you don't. Yeah. You've got so much time, but that, that okay, was, I mean, that was, that, was, that was good. It was just very quick. Okay. Well, we need, we need to shorten the timer to like seven seconds. Yeah, or you could give a little bit of detail. I can give about, more like, detail. What gets him sent to Detroit? I mean, what gets him? You know, I did. I said his friend gets murdered. Yeah, so he's <laughs> he's a renegade cop, like taking a fake vacation so that he can go outside the law and and um, investigate his friend's murder. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. what I said. <laughs> well, <laughs> you've said enough. So, what's, <laughs> what was your backstory? With this movie or perhaps with Eddie Murphy uh, going into it. So I thought I watched this movie, but I didn't. Like, I've never seen it before. <laughs> I, so it was great. Um, fun surprise. I remember watching The Golden Child a lot hmm. when I was younger. Do you remember that one? Nope. 
little kid, like an emperor, and he had all these powers, and he had to like save him. It was great. It's an Eddie Murphy movie. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. So that came out in '86. So he went on like a. I think he did seven movies, like 83, 84, 85, kept going. And they're all yeah. like number one blockbuster movies. Yeah. Derek, when did um when did the raw uh, uh stand up set come out? It had to this? it had to have been. Uh yeah, I can find that out though right quick. Um I mean he was he was starting to blow up at this time in the eighties, but this movie I think was kind of the culmination of him being like uh, at the height of his SNL powers, the height of his mm-hmm. comedy powers. Yeah. It came out in 87. Oh, okay. Oh, after. So, okay. Um, this just made him like the triple, the triple threat star, you know, TV stand up and <laughs> the biggest movie of the year in a movie where in a year where, as we've discussed, things like Ghostbusters and um, Indiana Jones, the sequel to Karate Indiana Kid, Jones came out. Karate Kid. Um, all of those were trumped by this movie, which didn't even come out until December. So pretty impressive. Um, and as far as me, I was genuinely curious going into this movie as to how much or what, if any, I would remember. And it was almost a completely fresh experience. I don't think I've seen it. Um, since i was really young or not at all so i was i was just like really blown away by (laughs) his performance most of all Um, because i don't Mm -hmm. even have that many like strong memories of watching eddie murphy growing up or movies that he was in kind of like like we've talked about the early to mid 90s which would be our nostalgic sweet spot Mm -hmm. i don't think that was the high mark in his career <laughs> no definitely <laughs> not we missed well, the yeah we missed like his peak which was all through the 80s yeah we had like dr doolittle and yeah. shrek <laughs> the um what's that movie where oh yeah the nutty professor mm-hmm. um flubber is he in flubber no it's robin williams oh close enough um <laughs> Meet both comedians yeah, yeah there you go close yeah <laughs> Derek, what what about you? Um, this movie, or you're probably the biggest Murphy fan amongst us. I do love Eddie Murphy. I, I saw this as a kid. Really, I don't have any memories of it, but I do. I definitely remember seeing it. So, but yeah, I love Eddie Murphy. Doctor Doolittle. Um, the his raw stand up I saw as a child as well. So, really inappropriate. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> isn't that uh-huh. what? Oh, I I think he has a stand-up uh, bit or show called Inappropriate. Oh, oh okay. How appropriate. Notorious, okay, inappropriate. Sorry. I mean, the movie... Maybe he doesn't know. The movie definitely holds true to some of his, like, raunchier uh, material. Not, like, all throughout, but in the couple moments where he gets fully uh, unleashed, it's pretty, mm-hmm. like... Uh, surprising based on the tone of some of the rest of the movie. We'll talk about that, um, but let's go through the characters. Yeah, so imagine we are at the Beverly Hills Cop arcade game because this is such a global sensation. They've already released the arcade cabinet at a uh, mall near you, and we are going to pick our characters for the rest of the podcast to uh, <laughs> embody. So 
I don't know who's going to pick Eddie Murphy as Axel Foley. Um, what's really cool about his character in this movie, in my opinion, is that he's just so much smarter, funnier, and more competent than pretty much anyone else in the movie. Although he does have the advantage of not giving a shit about breaking the law, and mm-hmm. even though he's a he's a cop, so. Um, but he's constantly just kind of like showing up other people at their job. So that was cool. Um, it's not, it's not the type of movie where he's comic relief because he's incompetent, um, quite the opposite. So on the other end of the spectrum, we've got Rosewood and Taggart, which I put together as a package deal. Um, it's the two white cops that are sort of most closely linked to the case when he goes to Beverly Hills. Um, so He's sort of, well, he's not mentoring them. They are uh, trying to like babysit him so that he doesn't interfere with their case and doing a terrible job. Um, how do you pronounce this next dude's name, Ashley? Bogomil? Bogomil? <laughs> yeah. Bogomil? Lieutenant Bogomil? Um, Bogster. Yeah. He, uh, he plays the uh, lieutenant of the Beverly Hills Police Force and was also the... the uh, main bad character in RoboCop, um, hard ass, and then the gallery owner Jenny Summers, um, Victor Maitland, the evil art dealer. Uh, Ashley, who are you gravitating towards? None of them. I have a different one that I want. Oh, okay. <laughs> Although I do I obviously the machine. Obviously, Eddie Murphy's great. Um, but I'm gonna go with. Uh, Damon Wayans. Oh yeah, it's his first. It's his first appearance in a movie, and he plays the banana boy. <laughs> essentially, he's at the buffet, and he's just like, "Oh, it's twelve fifteen for." And he calls it a buffet. He's like, twelve fifteen for the buffet," and then he's like, "Actually, you can just have all the bananas. Take all the bananas." And that's his whole. It's just like, <laughs> so I would in the arcade. If it was an arcade game, I would just apply like nutrients to everyone so they could keep fighting. <laughs> yeah, or stop people's tailpipes. Or oh yeah, or stop cops from going, or anyone from going anywhere. That's true. Yeah. yeah. So, so I mean, that's him. a practical weapon. Um, yeah, Derek, what about you? Uh, I'm gonna be Jenny Summers. She is just a, a very awesome, uh, fearless sidekick. Mm-hmm. She definitely rises above like damsel in distress. She's yeah. used sort of um, as leverage when they're when the the main uh, evil guy is is trying to like uh, capture Eddie Murphy. Basically, um, he uses well. You just kind of know that she's going to end up being like in a position where they they have to save her. But it comes down to both of them sort of just like saving each saving themselves. Mm-hmm. So, um, I guess she does get kidnapped. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't really save herself. Yeah, other than that, um, <laughs> she's she's definitely like a good gallery owner. Um, well, that and they went to, they go to like drive off to chase like to follow the bad guys. And Eddie Murphy's like, "Let me drive your car," and she's like, "No, you've never driven a Mercedes before. I'll drive." <laughs> yeah, she kind of takes charge, um, which is cool. Yeah, she has a cool car. Can't discount that. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess that makes me Eddie Murphy. Nice. Okay. Um, it's not because you're funny, witty, <laughs> or bad, intelligent. <laughs> um, yeah, skilled in all things. Um, cocky, investigating. <laughs> yeah, cocky for sure. That that one. Yeah, I think I think I check all those same boxes. Yeah. Um, 
All right. Well, that's enough uh, for the character selection process. We'll keep uh, reminding ourselves of that throughout the episode. Let's talk about our highs and lows from the movie. All right. So there's a little uh, taste of the theme song, which will be playing throughout <laughs> the movie and our recap of the movie um this movie starts off with quite a lot of action ashley you want to describe it sure so eddie murphy's undercover which his boss doesn't even know um and is trying to sell i don't remember how many like dozens and dozens of cartridges of lucky strikes to a bad guy for five grand the guy goes to give him two grand and the cops show up and then Eddie Murphy's like, oh, crap, we should drive off. And they all drive off the truck. The cigarettes are falling out everywhere. There's cops like hitting into each other. And then the the big truck is like running into all these cars and everything's crashing all around them. And there's fire. Yeah. Just a whole mess. <laughs> just a, well, just it's a, a disaster. <laughs> it's a really extravagant, you know, uh, chase scene. Intro before, chase scene. Before that even happens real quick, like they do sort of a montage of sites in, in the lifestyle of Detroit so that they can con- they can compare that later to once we go to Beverly Hills. But the movie mm-hmm. opens in Detroit where uh, we didn't even say Eddie Murphy's character name, Axel Foley, which is kind of funny. Um, yeah. <laughs> but his character is, like, I, I guess if from the, if you've seen the trailer of this movie going into it, you would know that he's going to be a cop, but I was actually a little bit um, convinced by that opening scene that he was part of the, I, I knew that twist was coming, but it, it happens and it happens throughout the movie where he'll be like um, undercover, but mm-hmm. just like playing a character out, outsmarting the bad guys by being pretending like he's one of them. Well, and in the be- so, yeah. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say that in the beginning, I also thought that maybe he became an undercover cop after they right. were like, Oh, you know, like all the connections and stuff in Detroit and you can help us like bust all the bad guys. But. Yeah, it was it was a convincing like little reversal. And then, of course, at the end of the whole um, after doing like millions of dollars of property damage, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, just demolishing a watermelon truck, um, setting half the city on fire, <laughs> they uh, he reveals that he was just like trying to set these pretty low level like, yeah, criminals up for a five thousand dollar deal yeah it wasn't much of a payout like to destroy yeah. like that much property <laughs> yeah but he gets chewed out by his superiors at work and uh the guy's like that's your second strike if you get if you get, if you do this one more time i mean apparently he's just doing things like this all the time and and yet they're not really disciplining him um, and that that um actor in real life is that police chief in real life was a detective, a homicide detective in real life. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. And he ended huh. up becoming the president of the Detroit city council. So, I mean, he seemed, he seemed convincing. Yeah. Um, he was scary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They have him like come into the, the locker room and, and dress him down, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, the solution for, you know, rather than discipline him, uh, Eddie Murphy's characters, like, I'm just going to take a couple weeks off um, and, of course, go <laughs> to Beverly Hills and investigate. We didn't even really say, I mean, after the car chase, 
he has this sequence where like an old friend comes into town. Low level um, friend. Do what? Like low level, not a great guy. (laughs) No, but they seem like legitimately like they're like best friends. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which I thought Um, was interesting. Probably from back in like their, uh, uh, well, like car stealing miscellaneous Mm -hmm. crime days. Yep. Yeah. So they, they, Eddie Murphy wasn't always a renegade cop. He was just a, (laughs) a renegade criminal at one point. And uh, so he uses those like skills to uh, fight crime now as a reformed cop um, or a reformed criminal. So unfortunately, his friend is mixed up with what some like um, importers, some kind of like. uh, They have bail bonds or something. Yeah. The paper they had paperwork he had. I forget where they're from. It's not really important. He's he's holding like tens of thousands of dollars in bonds and the people track him down and shoot him in the back of the head in a pretty like you know vicious graphic yeah yeah um but then it's off to beverly hills (laughs) (laughs) so like uh this is exa- almost exactly 30 minutes into the movie so that's a nice little like act break the whole the the first 30 minutes or so of the movie are pretty much non-stop action and then um once his friend gets killed and he goes to vacation we get sort of like act two which starts the same way as the movie where he's driving through beverly hills in his shitty car and <laughs> just like seeing uh all the rich all the rich people he pulls right up in front of like what the fanciest hotel mm-hmm. and just parks <laughs> right up front um do you want to describe like how he walks how he walks in like he owns the place <laughs> i I mean, well, before that, he, the guy is like, yeah, let me check. I can take your bags for you out of the car. And it's just like a sack. So I thought oh, that was yeah. funny. He's like <laughs> holding his like sack, like for him. He's like, okay, this is interesting. Um, and then he walks right up to, um, I guess like the concierge at the hotel or I guess like the, whatever they're called. Mm-hmm. And he immediately was just like demanding a room because he was like pretending he was someone he was not. Yeah. Here's a clip. I'm out of town. I'm a small reporter from Rolling Stone magazine that's in town to do an exclusive interview with Michael Jackson. It's going to be picked up by every major magazine in the country. I was going to call the article, Michael Jackson is sitting on top of the world. But now I think I might as well just call it, Michael Jackson can sit on top of the world just as long as he doesn't sit in the Beverly Palm Hotel. Because there's- Wait. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, and um, even though we stopped the clip before... Um, the the n-word was used this is like a this was a sort of a turning point in the movie for me where um one eddie murphy was fully able to like unleash his like skill set of mm-hmm. a of a you know delivering a vicious monologue it's funny but all of a sudden at the end there's like this real um dagger and basically he's he's being um discriminated against and and mistreated throughout the movie once he arrives in Beverly Hills but he also is willing to use that to his advantage when it's when it's convenient um like in this case where he's going to accuse the very loudly accuse everyone at the hotel of being racist so that mm-hmm. they just like want to silence him and give him a room which which it know, works and they give him a yeah. suite so seems, seems seems fair after the way he's been treated up to this point yeah, in and the, they the movie. 
And the Michael Jackson sitting on top of the world is taken from an article Playboy wrote about Eddie Murphy called Eddie Murphy sitting on top of the world. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, that's a, that's a good that's a good little tie-in. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think, Ashley, of just his performance throughout the movie? I really I I enjoyed it the entire time. Yeah. I liked his laugh a lot. His like inward <laughs> laugh. It's like, <laughs> yeah. It's pretty good. Um, and his delivery and all like a lot of improv was happened throughout the movie, so that was pretty cool. Um, I thought it was incredible. I mean, I was just. I've seen, you know, bad boys kind of recently and and I'm sure Martin Lawrence is doing kind of like a, a riff on this character and and Kevin Hart is probably kind of doing um I mean any any comedian uh that that grew up on Eddie Murphy is is probably absorbed some of it but like the way he was able to deliver these really like heightened monologues without breaking character um, and with just combining this like confidence with uh, humor was was really impressive. I don't know that anyone else, um, like Sylvester Stallone, for instance, could have <laughs> <laughs> could have handled. I mean, brought any of that to the role. I mean, I don't. Uh, do you have a little um, alternative casting? Yeah, so the movie was originally written for Sylvester Stallone um, with the character of Michael as his brother and then Jenny Summers as his love interest. So the movie could have been completely different. And I think that's why there's some of those like crazy action, like chasing scenes and stuff. Um, But yeah, it was for Sylvester Stallone. He was like, this is too, like a lot of the comedy and stuff wouldn't, didn't appeal to him, obviously. It's, it's, yeah, so wild to think about that. I mean, this movie seems because it became like, uh, synonymous with Eddie Murphy and his mm-hmm. like ascension as a star, it seems like it would have been reverse engineered the other way. Like you right. know, you would only write this part specifically for a black uh, actor comedian. Um, it's I don't I guess I guess you know I mean I'm not enough of a, a Murphy historian to know how much. I think people knew that the potential was there from from SNL and and other stuff he had done, but this was, you know, had to be like a real impressive feat. I mean, if he was still mostly seen as a comedian, mm-hmm. um, he was able to do so much more in this. So um, I was I was blown away. Um, what did you think about how they kind of like? portray Beverly Hills and just the contrast between that and <laughs> Detroit where the movie opens. Um, I liked, I liked what they did with that. Um, and I've been to Beverly Hills and it's still like that. So <laughs> yeah. Like they take him, um, after he gets kicked out of, uh, Victor's office and thrown through a window, Last, yeah. he gets arrested, um, for breaking the window <laughs> with his body. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then he goes to the Beverly Hills police station and he's like all uh, impressed by the fact that they have a, your own phone in your cell. Um, for me, the funniest part of the, the, the contrast was because this is early 80s technology. You see all the computer, uh, all the, the desks at the police station decked out in this like really ridiculous uh, over the top computer equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was... <laughs> Both like a, a fun sight gag, but consistent with the 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 
through line that everything is just super nice and and uppity in Mm -hmm. in beverly hills so and they even mentioned like a satellite tracking device to track down rosewood and taggart and that one scene because they're like where are you and they find out and now obviously it's like gps nowadays but like back then they just made it up because it's very fancy for them to have (laughs) i'm i'm kind of hung up on this sylvester stallone thing because now that i think about it if if the script was still like um renegade non um you know non fancy cop or non uh, city cop gets transferred or has to go to to Beverly Hills it would have been like the rocky character the equivalent i guess mm-hmm. of the rocky character all of a yeah, sudden yeah that's what i was thinking like a very tough guy like it's just, grungy yeah. it's hard to imagine the race element not being mm-hmm. a huge part of it so um, yep. i'm sure they and i'm sure they changed the script a lot once Eddie Murphy and I'm sure he had a huge <laughs> a huge influence over what everything he said mm-hmm, but with all his ad living I'm sure yeah speaking of fancy Beverly Hills stuff what did you think of Jenny's gallery it's weird <laughs> <laughs> how would you describe the, the art um art nouveau very modern no it was just really strange it seemed like kind of like a a lightly colored horror like house I don't know mm-hmm. like everything was very creepy um, like the main piece that sold for, I think like 120 grand or something absurd was like these head, like these like cut off heads spinning on plates on this white table yep. and this guy like watching him with like a chain or something. It was very creepy, but like so light that was kind of like, Oh, that's like, it's fancy. I don't know. It's very interesting. Yeah. yeah. I thought that the, for being an eighties movie and having to deal with, you know, like how these things hold up over over decades of time um the things that they're making fun of are still pretty like applicable i mean yeah. obviously we don't have to get too serious but the 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 police treatment of minorities is is more relevant than ever um the movie doesn't overly go there it's more just like him um being out of place in this mm-hmm. area with that layered layered on top but like the art gallery would still be skewered very similarly yeah. in a in a modern movie. Um, just I guess mo- making fun of modern art never <laughs> never, <laughs> never goes out of style. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's let's kind of just talk about the whole. I mean, I feel like from this point on in the movie, it's an extended series of of uh, action scenes. So, what were your like favorite parts of the last third or so of the movie, Ashley? Oh, there are a lot. Um, I really, I like, well, to skip all of that, I like the ending. I like how there was like a big shootout mm-hmm. in this huge mansion. It's not, it seemed like very like Scarface-esque, which I liked, but it was funny. With the, I don't know. I really like that. I like the ending a lot. I thought that was cool. Yeah, the ending definitely goes full action shootout. Um, he's like, he's infiltrating Maitland's fortress basically in, in Beverly Hills is gated. He's, he's, you know, picking the lock to get into the, the main gate and then they're scaling the walls and this dudes who's just an art dealer has like, um, dozens of machine gun wielding henchmen protecting his, yeah. <laughs> his, his house. Um, so there's a red flag. Uh, but at this point we already know that they're, uh, smuggling drugs and bonds and, um, Never who knows again. what else uh, in the art his one gallery in beverly hills is uh, just a front <laughs> for, <laughs> for that um but yeah i thought the 
I thought the final scene was a nice mix of like comedy with the two uh the two sort of like useless white cops rose rosewood and taggart doing their best uh to like climb each other to get over the wall (laughs) yeah Uh and i don't know why the smaller guy was lifting the bigger guy yeah (laughs) twice (laughs) there's definitely some like uh over the top spoofy humor there but uh, honestly it, it all it all worked for me um Eddie Murphy finally is able to uh, get inside the house and have a shootout with Maitland in order to save um, Jenny, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That ended much better than the original ending with Stallone, which sounds very Stallone-like. Um, <laughs> took place at night and ended with a car chase. <laughs> mm. So it had been Victor in a Lamborghini and Axel in a turbo-boosting Pontiac GTO. And then Victor would have killed, would have died by getting his car smashed in an oncoming train. So very uh, Sylvester Sloan, but I prefer this ending. Yeah. Um, More personal. Yeah. Well, and it also showed one thing I was curious about is it showed growth for the, um, for the Rosewood and Taggart characters and the Lieutenant Bogomil, um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) where they've all learned to lie when necessary to their superiors. Very valuable lesson in policing um you know as long as you all can agree on the report to file then um you can make up whatever you want Uh, yep not great (laughs) uh, but does eddie murphy's character uh he's constantly fucking up um but like in a way in a in a well-meaning well-intentioned way where he's after real dangerous criminals and and he's doing the things for the right reasons but in almost always the wrong way like does his character learn anything by the end or it's just sort of rewarded? I feel like he's just rewarded. Yeah, which is fine. And he's rewarded with some more movies. <laughs> yeah, he's rewarded with sequels. So, yeah. yeah. Honestly, I I like that the the character growth happened with the other with mm-hmm. the other characters and frankly like you could you were able to root for the the Eddie Murphy character throughout the whole movie. He was just charismatic and um you know, fun to like be around the whole time that you couldn't help but see why so many other characters just kind of get caught up in his like lies or manipulations or in, you know, in some cases, teamwork when he's like rallying these other cops to help him with the final, you know, the final mission. The final boss. Yeah. Um, Derek, anything you wanted to call out? Nope. Okay. Well, one. <laughs> Derek last... hated the movie. Just I loved it, but you guys, <laughs> you guys covered everything I loved about it too. Let's have one last taste of the killer eighty score. So you like shimmy your shoulders. Okay, now let's take a quick break from our discussion of Beverly Hills Cop while we tune our dials to NR84 for new release radio. This is where we give you a taste of what was happening this week back in 1984, starting with a hit tune. This murder stays in your mind You almost lost a girl who was right on time There's one more thing that you got to know Just cool it down and stay in control Cool it down You got to cool it down Watch out 
Oh, I like song that. song you just heard was Cool It Now by New Edition, up four spots to number nine on the Billboard Top 100 for the week of December 7th, 1984. Ashley, what's happening in news or pop culture this week? Well, Miami quarterback Dan Marino breaks NFL single season touchdown pass record when he throws his 37th and the Dolphins 45th 45-34 lost to the Raiders. Finished his season with 48 touchdown passes. Sound like a real sports fan. Yeah, you love sports ball. <laughs> love, I love that football. It's a bit of a confusingly worded sentence by your copywriter. So <laughs> the record is 48 touchdown passes, which actually stood for 20 years. Um, Dang. It wasn't broken until Peyton Manning did it um, in 2004. So, yeah. Dang, okay. What about that box office, though? Sure. Well, we have a new number one movie. You guessed it. Beverly Hills Cop. You didn't give me a chance to guess. (laughs) What? You didn't even give me an option to guess. You guessed it. (laughs) Yeah, well, no, it was a rhetorical guess. (laughs) (laughs) Beverly Hills Cop. So this movie opened with $15 million. Um, It would go on to make how much, actually? Uh, a lot more than that. I don't know. <laughs> okay, well, judging by your annotation here, it would be the highest grossing R-rated movie until like The Matrix came out in 99, something like that. It came out in 2003, which is 19 years later. Oh, a different, ma- not the first Matrix. Yeah, the re- Matrix Reloaded actually yeah. made more. Yep. Um, so it was a huge deal for an R-rated movie to make that much, a comedy um, on top of that. In it was up against some decent competition with uh, 2010, A Space Odyssey, coming out, a sequel to 2001, um, which made $7.4 million. City Heat, which also sounds cop-related, a Clint Eastwood and Burt Reynolds uh, private investigator team-up. So, I mean, I, hard to know for sure, but I'm thinking people were pretty blown away by the fact that this movie doubled up any of its competition and then just was off to the off to the races from there um Badass. i think yeah yeah it was it was probably clear based on like the soundtrack and everything else like multiple songs from the soundtrack were already in heavy rotation on the radio i guess all signs were pointing to it being uh, a roaring success but anyway now let's do everyone's favorite segment on new release Radio rank the blank. Pew pew pew. It's a moment of truth. You're giving it all. Standing alone. Willing to fall. William Defoe. William yeah. Defoe. I'm telling you. <laughs> this is where we pick a topic inspired by the week's movie and rank our personal favorites. This week's topic. Movie copper cops with the best comic chops. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Sure. (laughs) Ashley, do you want to go through some of the honorable mentions before we get to our choices? Sure. Why not? (laughs) Sorry. You got me with that. That was good. Um, Pathetic, power-thirsty mall cops like Paul Blart. Badass ladies with sense of humor like In the Heat with Sandra Bullock and McCarthy. What's her name? Mm, I've heard her name. Melissa McCarthy. Uh, thank you. Uh, buddy cops with different styles like Lethal Weapon or Starsky and Hutch. Cop working with an unconventional partner like Turner and Hooch. A dog. A hooch, yeah. <laughs> or entire squad or department is incompetent like Police Academy. Yeah, I think that covers a lot of the categories of funny cop movies. But this is like a one of the richest subgenres of film. 
or the most voluminous period, right? Mm-hmm. It's I mean, a lot of content. <laughs> there's buddy cop movies, which are just its own thing. Countless. There's yeah. Anyway, too many, too many to list, but those were some of the the most obvious ones. For our choices, um, as always, we're going to be starting with Eddie Murphy, um, Axel Foley, as the cop who is kind of smarter and better than everyone else at his job. Here's a, another example of that. You know, you don't have to be embarrassed if your dick gets hard. But your dick is supposed to get hard, see? That's the whole object of this. Tagging's dick is hard, but he won't let you know because he's the boss. The boss dick got to stay limp, right? Yeah, I ain't on duty, so my dick can be hard. <laughs> We did not expect that at all in the movie. We had to, yeah, (laughs) it's so good. Well, this is this is at the strip club, so the conversation is not just for shock value; it's 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 relevant. Um, And he's like shimmying his shoulders. At one point, he's moving his his hand like in a really, uh, uh, I'll just say, masturbatory manner. But (laughs) he's trying to make the white cops uncomfortable, but at the same time, he's like actually. Uh, blending in <laughs> as weird as that sounds and like not looking like a stiff cop so, oops um, <laughs> when, he, when they're doing real investigatory activities so that is another part of the movie where I was just like okay yeah this is this is good R-rated fun Ashley what's your choice so I'm going to choose a remake. So we'll see if that gets dinged points. But I'm going to go with 21 Jump Street. That you have the right to be an attorney? You do have the right to be an attorney if you want to. Where were you? <clears throat> I was uh, I was chasing my perp, sir. <laughs> and how did that go for you? He Honestly, he did get away. And he threw me <laughs> down pretty hard. <laughs> He scraped his elbow and he was complaining about his like little wound. <laughs> <laughs> who are the who are the funny cops in that movie? So the funny cops are uh why am I blanking on everything? I don't even know. Channing Tatum. The, Channing Tatum and <laughs> I don't know. I just and think. one of the same ones that um well, one of the main characters of the movie that, that I'm gonna character. choose. Yeah. Jonah Hill. Oh, Jonah Hill. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. I, I, I watched that clip probably like five times yesterday, too. Um, so it's the, they're terrible at their jobs, but they get better towards the end, like most buddy cop hilarious movies. Miami minus yours. Both of your choices. <laughs> what? Sorry. I said usually towards like the end of the movie, the cops like get better at their jobs. And then, oh, yeah. right. Yeah, we didn't pick hyper competent. for the next two um for my choice i'm gonna go with like an ensemble of uh cops that aren't necessarily good at their job but they're good at like making the most of like lame circumstances um and that would be the the gang of characters from super troopers now what is so damn funny i could have sworn you said me out you look like a cat to you boy (laughs) <laughs> Am I jumping around all nimbly bimbly from tree to tree? No, no. <laughs> Am I drinking milk from a saucer? <laughs> no. That's that's the scene where they're playing um, they're playing this game when they pull someone over of how many times they can get away with saying meow. Um, 
So one of the cops is counting on his hand and the other one is questioning Jim Gaffigan, I think. Yeah, it is um, Jim who Gaffigan. Pulled, who they've pulled over. And um, Gaffigan notices, but they don't break the gimmick no matter. Uh, <laughs> absurdist humor like like this is so such a fine line for me, but I actually love the style of humor of, of Super Troopers. So we'll see if any of these other options can top that. Uh, Derek, what's yours? So Bill Hader and Seth Rogen in Super Bad. Oh yeah. Held one of these before? Are they hard to shoot? Uh, well, if you're Michaels, they are. <laughs> you can't <laughs> shoot with dick. <laughs> I can shoot. What do you wait? You honestly think I can't shoot? With I'm dick? telling you right now, you cannot shoot. <laughs> I shot that cat last week. It was already dead, man. I still <laughs> shot it. That cat was dead. <laughs> Another cat clip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just make this easy. I mean, is anybody <laughs> going to surpass Beverly Hills Cop? No way. No, no way. Yeah. Nah. I mean, the cool thing about his version of this of of the funny cop, like I like I might have mentioned earlier, and compared to a lot of these other examples, especially Paul Blart, um, is that the humor doesn't come from him being like incompetent. It comes from one, him being just like such a good uh, impersonator and performer um like in the situation he can can just do whatever it takes to infiltrate uh the people that he's trying to pull one over on so i think he gets bonus points for for being competent even though he does it in a completely <laughs> <laughs> well, this this round is movie cops or oh i guess movie cops or cops the best comic chops so mm-hmm. yeah, I think he has the best comic jobs. And we're looking for tiebreakers. He's both. Yeah, yeah. he's Agreed. also decent at his job. Yep. Now Agreed. it's going to get tough with our choices. I think this is going to come down to <laughs> something very subjective. Can I win three weeks yeah. in a row? I don't think so. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, you you can't beat Eddie Murphy, so you can't officially win. Oh, but you well, can beat Ashley and I. I mean, yeah. I'm going to put. I'm going to. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> I honestly forgot about Bill Hader and Seth Rogen and Superman yep. until right now. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna put Super Troopers above them. Yeah, I'm I'm with oh. you. Super Troopers, super bad. 21, and then 20 Jump Street. 21 super bad. Yeah. Super yeah. bad <laughs> gets gets deducted points. I mean, they're they're in a whole like sequence in the middle of the movie, but it's definitely not about them. Not that it has to be, but I just don't think that they're like the main mm-hmm bit of the movie so um where were you where were you landing ashley between uh jump street and super troopers oh i had super troopers a second mm, okay yeah. well obviously i agree yeah <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> I, I just think that uh, jump street is very funny no, yeah it is no really denying funny. it there I, I haven't seen it so i'm not sure what yep i haven't seen really it. Yeah. okay watch it tonight Okay. So yeah. by the, the so then Derek gets last. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll take I'll take that. If you think it's funnier than um, yeah, than Seth Rogen. All it's right, really funny. I'll I'll accept last. I guess. Okay. I'll get my so win first to last next week. Damn. We got Beverly Hills Cop starring Eddie Murphy, number one. Super Troopers starring a whole gaggle of people's names who I'm not going to remember at number two. Um, Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill and 21 Jump Street at number three. And then 
Bill Hader and Seth Rogen <laughs> appearances in Superbad that Ashley couldn't even remember. So yeah, yep. sorry. Solid list though. Um, just so many good options to choose from. It's almost time to sign off on new release radio for this week and give our final thoughts on Beverly Hills Cop. But before we do, let's listen to a cool new track that debuted all the way up at number 81 on this week's Billboard Whoa. Top 100. <laughs> Yeah, so that might sound familiar. That was <laughs> The Heat Is On by Glenn Fry, a single off the Beverly Hills Cop soundtrack. Now back to our feature presentation. Ashley, how were the reviews for Beverly Hills Cop? People loved it. <laughs> yeah. Was really there any, reviews. any pushback, any like dissenting opinions? There are a couple, but overall, very favorable. So, um, but this is the part where I do two true reviews by actual critics and then one false, kind of false, but review by myself. That's also the truth. Yeah, or you do four, or you make them all up, or you or I make them all up, or it's all critics. You never know what you're gonna get. Trick us this week. Try my best. Okay, you guys ready? Yep. Okay, the first one. Simply put, Beverly Hills Cop is one of the best buddy cop movies ever made. Wrong. Yeah, that's (laughs) Ashley. (laughs) Okay, number two. Well, at the time, maybe. Okay. Well, it's not a buddy cop movie. I just had this discussion with Jamie before we started recording. Just okay. because you had a conversation with our friend Jamie uh, does not mean that it's not one of that's not a legit review. Yeah, it's, a, it's not okay. a buddy cop movie. There's no buddy. Well, what we his his the oh. two pe- the two guys are buddies. Not they're not like. Well, okay, let me just let me just finish. <laughs> it's one review. Everyone, calm down, okay. Drew. Um, second review. Eddie Murphy carried this movie as expected, but what I didn't expect is to enjoy the banter between Foley, Rosewood, and Taggart so much. It's two. Okay. See, buddy, cop. Those right buddies. There. Those old yes, buddies. Exactly. They're buddies. Um, number three. Eddie Murphy looks like the latest victim of the star magic syndrome, in which it is assumed that a movie will be a hit simply because it stars an enormously talented person. So there's a negative review. And then the fourth so, review... Okay. Is this? I just really liked it. Okay. <laughs> oh. Okay. So this one's definitely not you, or maybe you really like yourself. I'm. And your I'm thoughts. looking up buddy cop movies right now, and it it doesn't appear in the in the <laughs> list. On. Okay. Um, let's get through. Let's get through this. Oh it's, gosh, a, it's a very let's specific the, the buddy buddy cop argument. Okay. Which one? What review? There's four reviews. So. What's the fourth one? I just really liked it. Okay. Oh, that. Oh, I That's not like an Ashley. <laughs> right. But then the other three is one of me as well. The number one. It's number one. No, it's not. Suckers. I didn't write that. What's well, you, we Drew? Need, we need to yeah. find out who that was and, and revoke their credit. Wait. Credit. Oh, the first one was Buddy Cop. Yeah, buddy I didn't Cop write that. One. Okay. What were the other two? Eddie Murphy carried this movie as expected, but what I didn't expect is enjoy the banter between Foley, Rose, and Tiger so much. I wrote that. Yeah. <laughs> didn't call it a Buddy Cop, Drew. Yeah. Um, and then the negative <laughs> review is by Roger Ebert, actually. He really? didn't like the movie. Mm-hmm. What did he say interesting. about it? He said it looks like the latest victim of the star magic syndrome in which it assumes that a movie will be a hit simply because it stars an enormously talented person. Well, 
he I, couldn't have been more wrong because yeah. it was objection objectively. That's uh, before Eddie Murphy blew up even more. Yeah. That's I mean, I I get where he's coming from because it it is a very cocky character right mm-hmm. off the bat. But, but it, it, it makes sense. Like yeah. there's a reason yeah, why he's like that in the in the he, film. He must have he must have published that review, you know, like based on a uh, early premiere screening and like because it was such an instantaneous hit that mm-hmm. that's got to be one of like the the least like <laughs> the reviews that held up the yeah least, the, like, yeah and they actually after watching like um a sneak preview of the movie they immediately funded for the next one yeah so well that goes to show that critics can aren't always be right easily wrong sometimes mm-hmm. yeah um i think you know based on my extensive research the key differentiator between this and a buddy cop movie is it's all about pairing like two people with very different and conflicting personalities to work together now this could be like a buddy ensemble but because he has interchangeable partners it's not like bad boys it's not like lethal weapon um it's not like um starsky and hutch (laughs) where they're like the, the all the comedy comes from the differences i feel like this one I didn't write that review. <laughs> and, and, but also, I think that his uh, Eddie Murphy's uh, other two partners one one was the lieutenant or chief or something. Mm-hmm. Um, he was definitely completely different than Eddie Murphy, and then he kind of came around at the end. And then his the chief's partner was kind of like, "Okay, I'll help you out." And then they became buds for a little bit. But they're never like buddies throughout the whole film. Well, like it wasn't like a sure. In all, but, yeah, yeah they, they weren't they weren't buds the entire film. No. In all seriousness, I think what's maybe really unique about the story is that they didn't give him. He didn't have a partner. He was always mm-hmm. working solo. Um, he like looped other people in when they you know uh, were following him or when um, Jenny, Derek's character, wanted to like tag along. He but, did. Like, for the most part, he just was a solo uh, cop. Yeah. So, yeah. Rant over. Which makes it all the okay. m- all the more impressive of a performance. He doesn't have that, like, it's, you know, person to play off of the whole movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's definitely not like a Pineapple Express or what was that, Mel Gibson and... Yeah, Lethal that's Weapon? Lethal. Yeah, Lethal Weapon, for yeah. sure. All right. Okay. Um, Ashley, did this movie win any awards? Yes. um yeah i know it won a grammy for best album or original score Ooh, okay there we go it won a people's choice award for favorite motion picture Mm. and which i thought was pretty cool so it won like a stuntman award for the vehicle stunts in general i don't know what specific part but maybe like the opening scene or something but it won like a stunt award I meant to say this earlier, but like with that opening scene, so many of these movies we watch um, that did a lot of things with like explosions and, and practical effects, like it looks like so much money is being spent on a single mm-hmm. sequence, like to destroy all these things. Even a movie like Toxic Avenger, where you're just like, you just don't imagine. I mean, I guess in Fast and Furious movies and stuff, if there's any CGI added to it, it makes me question like the real stuff I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm sure there's a ton of real uh, driving and, and, and like choreography going on in those movies, but it's almost like in this, you just know everything that truck is hitting 
it's really hitting like yeah and smashing yeah. everything <laughs> you feel so like uh immediately of a and terminator did the same thing i mean there's mm-hmm. just so many like but those were models those model scales though but in, still. and it totally felt like a real you know mm-hmm. explosion nonetheless so um what about uh acting awards <laughs> Act, oh um it was nominated there's no acting awards actually it was <laughs> well no 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 um, Eddie Murphy was nominated for a Golden Globe, but he mm. didn't get it. And then it was also nominated for an Oscar for Best Writing screen and Screenplay. That's what I'm talking about right there. That's so, I love that part of it. Mm-hmm. This is I like one think... of our movies that was actually nominated for real awards. Nice. Yeah, even though we're watching like <laughs> theoretically almost every movie that came out this year, we've skipped all the ones that got nominated for stuffy, like really stuffy prestigious awards like uh, Oscars. So mm-hmm. good job. We didn't watch um, Amadeus. Yeah, I'm glad we didn't. Do that. Um, I think that won like <laughs> half the categories last I checked. Mm-hmm. What about Ashley Alliteration Awards? Okay, well, I have one that's not alliterative, and that's Banana and the Tailpipe Award, just because I like. <laughs> I guess that's what I'm talking about. That's for Derek. Yeah. Um, and I then didn't I. Win it, though. They did. Yeah. Because they, they came it. up with the idea. You True. you um gave it out. I was promoting. Yeah. <laughs> I was promoting <laughs> their their award nominee nomination. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then my alliterative award is kind of something I should remember if I was going to be a drug dealer. Um, <laughs> so coffee covers Coke. Oh, yeah. What? That's coffee covers common... Coke. So you use coffee to cover the Coke. Oh, so that right, you don't, right, right. It doesn't get detected. Right. So if I ever want to do that, now I know. Yeah. Or weed or any kind of like more fragrant drug as well i mean dogs are trained to sniff things that humans can't but mm-hmm. coffee will cover any kind of like uh really pungent um item so ccc from a movie but, but i can't remember uh it probably wasn't this one i think it's such like a it's it's very much a movie trope to mm-hmm. hide stuff in coffee yep those are my awards well that would make sense why i got stopped in the airport once when my mom gave me a bunch of coffee coming back from Arizona oh, no. to Oregon. They stopped yeah. me and they looked in my bag because they thought that I had something on me. That's a red flag. That makes sense. Well, all right. Don't take your coffee through the uh, through the airport, Ashley. Okay, I won't. Well, yeah, factor that into your future drug, drug dealing. dealing ways. If you, <laughs> if all the cops have seen movies, then they'll know. The coffee yeah. Away, so have you actually... seen Beverly Hills? Have you seen Beverly Hills? Oh, I can't go on this line. I gotta go. Okay. It actually might work against you. Um, <laughs> let's give this puppy a ranking. So Oof. Oof, yeah, baby. one to 84, how 80s is Beverly Hills Cop based on, you know, the music, big time, wardrobe, actors, and of course, I'm going to run through a few tropes real quick before um, we give our rankings. So these, I try my best to make these relatively specific to the, either to the eighties or that they came out of like eighties movies. So I'm going to say cowboy cop. Another word for renegade cop. It was kind of like an eighties thing, cult soundtrack, big time, um, eighties hair, shout out Jenny. Um, yeah. <laughs> everything is racist. Um, this one's sort of used both ways cause he uses it, you know, occasionally to his advantage. Um, Here's another coffee one. Fingertip drug analysis. When you can just dip your finger into oh, that's miscellaneous drugs. white drugs and <laughs> tell immediately what they are. Um, fish out of water. Big, big uh, combo with, with buddy cop movies there. 
And this is a sort of um, unfortunate 80s trope, the funny foreigner. So we didn't mention Bronson Pinchot's cameo at the art gallery where he plays sort of an effeminate, or maybe it's not even effeminate. He's just foreign um, barista slash assistant. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Not the most offensive portrayal, but not funny either. Um, And then uh, Signature Laugh, which you referenced earlier. Uh, 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 (laughs) uh, uh. It was the weirdest laugh. Yeah, but you get used to it and you're like, that's actually Did he use that laugh on stage? No, I don't think so, man. Mm-hmm. I I don't ever remember him doing that. I mean, because like Chappelle, a lot of stand ups, a lot of stand ups do laugh as sort of a nervous tick or an intentional mm-hmm. cue when they're performing. You know, if there are bigger Eddie Murphy fans out there than I am, I'm not a like gigantic. I'm not like a Star Wars Eddie Murphy yeah. style fan, but I don't remember him doing that. <laughs> yeah, well, it's very that was, that was yeah that was the one th- character trait that he had that was just like a little odd it's quirky and Mm -hmm. and they they apparently liked it enough to like use it in promo commercials and and even some of the soundtrack uh clips that we've played you can you can hear him laughing so those are the tropes um ashley we know this movie is going to rank high but yeah how high are you thinking it's definitely breaking the top three yeah, baby. It's gonna break it up a little bit. And just add to Jarek's calculations before he does them, the theme song was made with three synthesizers. Oh. So just saying <laughs> that's like 60 points alone. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, for me, huh, it beats Night of the Comet. So Yeah. Well I'm fine with yeah, that. Yeah, one one of the categories or one of the ranking uh factors is iconicness. Um, iconic actors. Eddie Murphy, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was peaking big time. Um, I mean, emerging and peaking at the same emerging time. Emerging like, and peaking. Remember, this is a scale 1 to 84, and we have the Terminator at a perfect score of 84, and now yeah. Yeah. At, yeah. at 83 based sort of on the rationale that it could only exist then but we can always reconfigure like let's just think oh yes let's just think about the hierarchy not too much the number is it more 84 than terminator yes yep okay well because it it talks and it talks in 80s in detroit and 80s in beverly hills and everything between synthesizer the whole soundtrack in general that that won a grammy i mean Eddie Murphy, the hair, the clothing, the art gallery. There's so many things. Well, let me make, I don't know if I really have a counter argument. I think the, the argument for some of the other movies before like Comet or Toxic Avenger have been that they could only exist in the Mm eighties, but maybe a better signifier of the ultimate eighties movie is one that keeps getting copied and reinterpreted, you know, for years to come. Like, this movie was both a perfect encapsulation of the eighties, but also still like held up perfectly well now. Um, mm-hmm. yep. So did the Terminator, but maybe that's just a, like a little more narrow of a focus of, you know, like very strictly like horror action. And this just feels like for a bigger audience, maybe. Well, and if I watched the Terminator, I don't know if I could say it was 84. Like it could have been for me. 
Yeah, it's because it's a sci-fi movie. It's mm-hmm. it's more like uh, set. I mean, it's meant to be set in multiple eras. I think it it, it opens in like 2014 or something. Um, <laughs> the future. Yeah. So that's a good. Yeah, that's a good case. Derek, do you have any um counter computations going on? Uh, <laughs> hang on. Get it out. I done. This thing gets an 85 easy. Okay. Nice. All right. Yeah. Do you want um, me to break it down? Sure. Music, the music and score, an easy 20, which is super high for a lot of our films. And then it's it's kind of more of a time period piece than any of the other films that we've watched because it's not kind of fantasy worlds. Mm-hmm. So Detroit, Beverly Hills, mm-hmm. uh, the, the clothing style, that strip club scene was just like, you know, I'm not a strip club fan, but I've been to one. And it's like, if I could what? go in the 80s, man, that would have been so amazing. <laughs> and I got to see a little bit of that. There's nothing to be ashamed shamed about. Yeah. And, Your and parents then, are listening. Oh, I don't. No, I was I was they trying to, to call back to the, the Eddie Murphy's monologue, but I'm not going to oh. repeat it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then the stunts. So the, the time period piece, I don't know if that's the right word, the term for it, but 25. So we're at 45 right now. Mm-hmm. The stunts and the filming and the editing, like Ashley had mentioned, is so legit. It's yeah. that's an easy twenty five. So we're at seventy, and then the comedy, man. I was laughing out loud more than I do at like modern movies. So that gets yeah. an easy ten. So we're at eighty five. This... Nice. Well, that's no, that's that fifteen because you did the math wrong. But that's okay. <laughs> 50, 60, 70, 80. You're right. So it's yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Comedy. And 15. then five points for Eddie Murphy. <laughs> yes, actually, yeah. Wow, yeah. That oh, seems I didn't see that in my cal- my my calculator view. Sorry. Yeah, was <laughs> eighty five. Was this the most uh, funny movie we've watched, including uh, all of me? Which I guess would have been the other. Yeah, Beverly Hills Cop was funnier, but all of me oh, was yeah. very good. But Beverly Hills Cop was funnier. They they're sure. they're on par to be, you know, to fight against being funny, but. Eddie Murphy and the just his delivery was just hilarious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and, I and, totally agree. You know, maybe watching those two at the time before Murphy or um, what was the other Steve comic? Martin? Yeah, Steve Martin were you know much bigger comedians. Maybe I'd have a different difference uh, in in that, but no. Yeah. Um. Cool. Well, we've got a new number one. Beverly Hills oh. Cop broke the scale. What, Ashley, um, based on all that, um, I think we're going to have a pretty strong recommendation here. You say someone should watch it, remake it, or skip it. Skip it. I'm just kidding. Watch it. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely watch it. What if you haven't seen it for, you know, a while? Rewatch it? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Basically. Easy. Easy Um, questions. There's been two sequels to it which i was very tempted to start the second one just to kind of get a feel for the the tone um i don't know if someone wants to look up real quick what year it came out but the only thing i noticed was that the two sequels were they fell off a cliff in terms of their um rotten tomato score uh which was kind of surprising i think this maybe goes back to yeah the year Derek. (laughs) No, okay. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> um, uh, the number two, number yeah, Beverly Hills Cop two. Oh, 87. Sorry, 
Okay. So just four years or just three yeah. years later. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised. Um, and that would have been the year that Raw came out and he's still at the height of his popularity. It must have been, you know, hard to live up to the hype of the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're, I'm just basing this on an arbitrary number that appeared beside it. Um, so I hate to, I hate to do that. It was just surprising to me that they dropped, dropped off so quickly by the time I got to the third one, it had like a 9% or something like <laughs> abysmal. So, um, what all that said, Netflix is supposedly uh, as of like last year making a Beverly Hills cop four. Um, and they did release that Dolomite movie with Eddie Murphy. So they, uh, which I should definitely check out. I should probably mm-hmm. check out all the most like canonical Eddie Murphy things after this. Um, definitely, definitely got me curious. I would obviously recommend a, a watch um, no matter how many times you've seen it. If you've seen it a bunch of times, you don't need us to recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> and as far as a remake goes, no, I would have to- no, no. Well, no, not a remake, but a fourth sequel. You wouldn't, you wouldn't be intrigued by that, ignoring nah. what I just said about the other two sequels. Not really, no. <laughs> well, it's hard to ignore that, but I don't know. <laughs> there's, there's no reason for a second one. If uh, people, likes- we already know he's a good cop. We already know that he's clever and can solve crime. I don't know. But maybe he becomes a bad cop in the fourth one. Well, okay. I guess <laughs> these these questions come down to like whether or not you'd rather see him relive like something he's done before or make more original movies like Dolomite and if people liked Dolomite then that's probably more interesting to keep making stuff like that um you know or Nutty Professor 6 versus uh, no thanks making, uh, <laughs> making another Beverly Hills Cop movie so I'm, I'm with well, you well Eddie I would I would prefer that everybody just skips watching you know requesting that he makes a new movie and then he gets back into comedy which i believe he already has this year right not sure i want to say maybe yeah maybe around the time uh that that latest movie was coming out he was doing comedy again but or he was on definitely he came back and hosted snl he definitely said he was gonna start stand-up again but that doesn't mean he has a special so yeah okay well i'm i'm all for that as well um what are we going to take from this movie and immortalize in the new release Wax Museum where we um, find a memento or something, you know, in a typical Wax Museum, you would have figurines. Um, we've seemed to have gone in a different <laughs> direction than that. Um, a little interactive. Yeah, we could have a uh, statue in honor of Eddie Murphy, but that would be a first <laughs> so, <laughs> too traditional what do you want to uh immortalize from this movie ashley in wax um i kind of want that creepy table with the heads on it <laughs> <laughs> that would be so like not but it can be made of wax i know that's why i like it <laughs> yeah. well this is a tough one because if we don't go with the person i don't know yeah, uh, we go with Eddie Murphy was, making fun of the art. I was hoping for Eddie Murphy and my character Jenny Summers just driving in that car. Ooh, with we, like fan blowing and their hair move or her hair moving. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe because I feel like we for the in the length of the whole the whole year so far we haven't done 
that many movies where we focus like on the the personalities involved like we could do uh, is one of our year-end categories the people the the characters that actually made it into our wax museum um in addition to all the random uh cornfields and blood fountains (laughs) and um exploding heads or whatever else we have we could that's some weird pick our favorite performers and and cover them in wax all right eddie and jenny Wait, can I mean, we Jenny just... definitely won't make the cut, but that's Axel. All right, I'm thinking Arnold. You know, Eddie Murphy. These are some of the people that would be in like the, like, maybe Ralph Macchio. Yeah. So. Okay, fine. We can have Eddie Murphy. I I would. That's the first thing that came to mind. Turn mind. into a actual wax museum. So <laughs> is he in person? Is he a real person in our wax museum or a, a wax Eddie Murphy? Oh, uh, because we've got Charlie. It's like House of Wax, so we'll just yeah. coat him in wax, and he'll die in our museum. <laughs> Jesus! Oh, he won't be making that sequel now. Um, <laughs> there you go. Problem solved. I think that's it for Beverly Hills Cop <laughs> yeah. permanently. Um, <laughs> next week, we have a really cool sci-fi movie that I haven't seen, and it's directed by John Carpenter. In 1977, Voyager 2 was launched into space, inviting all life forms in the universe to visit our planet. In 1984, someone accepted our invitation. Get ready. Company's coming. John Carpenter's Starman. Get ready, company's coming this Friday. It doesn't really tell you much. Opens Friday at a theater near you. Company is coming. Okay, cool. (laughs) So that's Starman starring Jeff Bridges, who was not cast in um, Razorback. As Carl. (laughs) Better things to do. Um, I pointed out, I spoiled the the backstory for next week to say that I haven't seen it because I've been pretty obsessed with a lot of uh, John Carpenter's other movies like The Thing and Christine and... um, Big Trouble in Little China and Escape from New York. Um, but this one, I've, I thought I'd watched them all, but somehow I just like skipped over Starman. So I'm excited to uh, watch that and revisit some of his other movies. Me too. I've never seen it or heard of it. <laughs> cool. Derek, are you excited? Yeah, I'm really excited. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I didn't even know about this film. So yes, I am. But uh, Ashley, say it again. Yeah, I'm really excited. Thank you. Yeah. Company is coming. <laughs> Company's <laughs> coming. Well, if you want to hear that conversation and many more to come, <laughs> you can subscribe to the podcast by searching New Release 1984 on Spotify or Apple or anywhere else you get podcasts. That's a wrap. <laughs>